And on behalf of myself, Lauren and Leo, welcome to episode 242. You can't escape this one as you are joined by award-winning actors Holland Roden and Logan Miller. They are hanging out to talk about their new film, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. A time of release in theaters everywhere, Friday, July 16th. We're huge fans of the first one that came out in 2019 from Adam Robitel. He's back for this one. Learn about the mechanics of these insane rooms and how it's all done. Hear about the room that was left on the cutting room floor. The prop Logan kept from the first film. Holland goes ghost hunting and so much more. Solve the puzzle of episode 242. The clock starts now. I need to know that the criminals who killed the four people in front of me are held accountable. They're hiding in plain sight in the middle of Manhattan. We need to stop them. I'm in. I know this is a lot to ask, but thank you for coming with me. Do you hear that? Hey, what the hell is going on? You guys have played the game before? So what is this? Like a tournament of champions? Go ahead, scream. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. So here we go, joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio are two amazing storytellers. She got her start on shows including the six-time Emmy-winning CSI and J.J. Abrams' iconic Lost. Then came the starring role of Lydia Martin on what she was an essential part of turning into the most popular and successful scripted series in MTV history, Teen Wolf, earning her a Teen Choice and Young Hollywood Award. Following that, cast Zoe Woods on the critically acclaimed Channel Zero and appearing in the Amazon horror series Lore. During all this, finding time to dive into molecular biology at the prestigious UCLA and earning a degree in women's studies. She can most recently be seen in 2020's feature film No Escape and FX's My NMC. She's so fun to watch in how she chooses to build these amazing characters in adventurous and infectious ways. Also here with us, a multi-award winning actor who went from playing a teenage Matthew McConaughey to voicing a character on the Emmy-winning Phineas and Ferb in the lead role on Disney XD's I'm in the Band. He was cast alongside the legendary Jeffrey Combs in Would You Rather, and in 2015, Sundance hit the Stanford Prison Experiment. That same year, he blew our minds in Chris Landon's Scout's Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse and an exciting trajectory of TV and feature work that included Escape Room, The Walking Dead, Greg Berlanti's 10-time award-winning Love, Simon, 2019's incredible horror flick We Summon the Darkness with one foot planted in the world of animation and Guardians of the Galaxy and Ultimate Spider-Man. He's inherently likable, hilarious as fuck, with an immaculate sense of timing for drama and comedic performances that is unmatched. Together, their latest project is the follow-up to the great Adam Robitel's Escape Room, this time six survivors of previous escape rooms orchestrated by the brutal sadistic geniuses at Minos are unwittingly brought together for the most insane round of games yet. It's Escape Room Tournament of Champions in theaters everywhere July 16th. We're honored to welcome two of its stars, Holland Roden and Logan Miller. Yeah! Wow, that was quite an intro. That was beautiful. 
Wow. Well deserved, you guys. We are massive fans, and congratulations on this film. And as massive fans of the first one, we have been so excited to see what you guys had in store for us with the continuation of this story. And we got to say, it does not disappoint. So before we get into it, though, you both continue to have these wonderful careers that have included working on horror and horror-adjacent projects with the most renowned creators in the genre of our lifetime. Where did it start for the two of you as viewers? What is your earliest memory of being exposed to horror and how it made you feel? We'll start with Holland. Well, I guess my journey really began with storytelling in general. And I remember whenever a movie would end and the lights would come up as a kid, I was just that was like the most depressed I was in my childhood. And the movie would sort of play on in my brain for several days afterwards. So I knew stories, history class, it was sort of structured as a story. I was game to, to communicate in that, in that sort of uh, medium. And so it started there. And I think my favorite with horror is when there's a bigger message at play um, or there's a unique way of going about doing it. Movies like Mother or even movies like Cure that are just shot in a very cinematic, interesting kind of way um, with long takes and um, intentional, I think would probably be my, my favorite word when it comes to horror. Um, so with Escape Room, I love that there was like a very interactive aspect to it. You felt like you were on an amusement park at Universal. Logan, we'll go to you. First horror film experience as a viewer. Yeah, well, you know, as a child, I was afraid of absolutely everything. I thought somebody was going to kidnap me. My grandmother told me when um, I was young that if I talk to strangers, they'll cut my legs off. Oh, um, wow. So, you know, what? my brain, um, my imagination would take me into horror avenues all of the time. So thanks, Grandma. I love you so much. But, um, you know, I think my first like horror experience was either like, Twister or Signs. Twister, I actually liked because I don't know. I, I guess like a natural storm was less scary to me, but aliens were absolutely the most terrifying thing to me of all time. And so every time after I had saw Signs, there was a plant that was in our front door area that I always thought was an alien just looking into our house. So, um, Amazing how uh, life has progressed to me doing so many horrific things in my life that I'm so numb to them now. But uh, yeah, I started off very innocent and very afraid of the world. As performers, what is it about this genre creatively that makes it different from working on a comedy like I'm with a band or dramatic work like my and MC? What are the parts of your creativity that are ignited in different ways through the lens of horror? You're just a lot more naked and wet <laughs> and nocturnal. That's really the only difference. <laughs> I, well, I will say, you know, it, horror has taken a great resurgence. It's always constantly evolving. And I am just so proud of the genre now and the way that we have kind of changed the dynamic for the storytelling. You know, it's not just slasher picks anymore, as fun as those are, but there there's, um, you know, a lot of more, there's a lot more character development with these, these kinds of roles. And uh, there's so many different subgenres and avenues in which we can um, create these stories. Also like a lot of horrific shit's happening in the world. So I guess it's, um, you know, a, a way to kind of release all of the tensions of life. So I don't know. I mean, 
Yeah, it has a lot of blood and guts. I, I don't like being sticky all the time, but I've had so much blood all over me. Uh, fake blood, of course. But um, it's always a constant experiment. And it's always nice that we get to just like kind of play with the creativity of the absurdity of the horror and whatnot. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. To sidebar with some really spooky stuff, Holland, you starred in 2014's House of Dust that had you exploring an abandoned former mental hospital. And it's a terrific mm-hmm. film that some people say was even a little too close for comfort based on the legends and backstory of where it took place. And that was the Mansfield Training School and Hospital in Connecticut. And that goes back to like 1860. Did any of what you shot actually venture inside that place or was it mostly soundstaged and sets? No, no that's so funny you bring that up. That is actually one of the scariest things I've actually shot in is that exact place in Connecticut in the middle of the woods. It is by far the creepiest place I've ever been. Um, I remember that that movie was like 11, 12 years ago. And I remember um, that we were told like not to go outside of these three rooms. It's a really long, skinny building that goes forever. And so if you're at the other end, it's going to take you like 20 minutes to walk back. And oh yeah, I remember we like did not follow that rule at all. And like at, mm. on our lunch break, there, I mean, sta- stairs came in, and it was the the, the the lead like paint coming off the walls. There was like this old bowling alley in that building. I still have memories, like very vivid memories of of, of walking to the other end of that building. It took us like, like an hour round trip. So uh, it was uh, yeah. I, I mean, I didn't see any ghosts, but. I'm not, I do, I take a ghost tour in every single city I travel in. New Savannah is probably the best, but New Orleans is like a really close second. So that's like over Paris or, or any of them. So, so yeah. So I would say that the Connecticut is probably the creepiest place I've ever shot. Yeah. Have you ever had a paranormal experience where you're like, yes, there is a ghost here. There is a presence. When I was a kid, I had a I had a, a closet that would would randomly shut. That could be that the house was built on like a hill or something. You know, you also I don't know if you can trust kids and like our memories as kids. So I, I personally haven't had any experiences, but my my parents' friends have had things that I do believe with mediums that like work with the police departments and stuff that I do personally. Like, there's no explanation for it. I really do believe that it. It, it did happen to friends of ours. Let's catch up to Escape Room. So, Logan, going back to the first film that kicked off this now franchise that we love so much, the likes of which hadn't really been done before on that level. It was a miracle of set design and manipulation combined with this fantastic mystery at the helm of one of the greatest masters of tension of our generation in, in Adam Robitel. And I would imagine being around that level of imagination was like getting a trip to Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. How did that experience on the first film change you? Yeah, well, you know, it, it was it was a very amazing collaborative effort. And it was also a bit of an experiment, too. You know, we are kind of taking this whole torture genre in a room kind of situation and we're making it a little bit more versatile. We're adding the element of uh, the mystery and the puzzles of everything. And so it really felt like an almost like theatrical piece that we were like trying to uh, figure out when we were doing the rehearsals in the first one. And then, you know, as time went on in the production, it, obviously the 
the, the rooms became more and more intense and we were trying to figure out each minute detail in order to make sure that all of the rooms were, were feeling so expansive. And, you know, we had a smaller budget on the first one and because we were able to do it with that, those small amount of resources, it was so much more intense and fun being able to do it a second time with a little bit more of a budget and, um, you know, great new actors along the way. And, you know, we um, had the knowledge of how to do it with the first one. And so it was so much fun getting to do it again and, um, you know, having that old experience and pulling from all of that. In fact, Holland can tell you that uh, Taylor and myself were always warning everybody what to expect because these rooms, the detail matters obviously every time. And so, you know, you see it for about 30 minutes of each room, right? Well, we're doing it for two weeks. And so we warned them that like, we're going to be covering this like icing on a layer cake, you know, it's like, it's every detail matters. And um, so we did that. And that was in the, uh, the eye of Mark Spicer and Adam together. And it made it ultimately beautiful. Holland, we all saw your love of interior design and spaces with that awesome tour you did of your house here in LA and Architectural Digest, the former home of Bozo the Clown, which is amazing. What are the elements of heightened detail, just in general, awaken in not only performance, but in yourself, even personally? I have always been like a set junkie in the sense that when it, growing up, um, if I could play dress up in any aspect and you know there's a place in dallas that had like you could it was like a little kid big big town kind of kind of a adventure center and you could go to the police department or work in the newspaper or work in the front and and um and so i've been a sucker for sets and going on a set like this i've i've never seen production to this extent and um i'm one for gadgets and construction and uh, I used to help my mom like renovate our old houses. And so I know what goes into uh, even just painting a wall. And so, uh, no, it was incredible to watch. Like I said, the sets are a character in themselves in this movie. And so watching the crab shack have hydraulics that actually do sink a real crab shack or, or the, the pyrotechnics that even went into that subway that looks exactly like Canal Street. I was at village one day with, with Adam and watching Logan crawl through with like fire going off of, above him. And this is, you know, nothing had been added to this scene as far as post goes. And it looked like the real movie. So uh, you're really grateful as an actor to have that much to play with. And I don't know if I'll, I'll have a practical like that on this, on, on a set again, because the practicals on this movie are truly almost all there. <laughs> there. There is very little CGI. The Boo Crew will be right back. The devil has sent me twins of evil. The most fearsome females in horror history. One good, one evil. What do you see? <gasps> we are the undead. Immortal. Seek out the devil worshippers. Spine-chilling, heart-stopping terror in Twins of Evil, rated R.
going to you, Logan. What were the conversations that were privy to you at the time, tailing off at the end of the first one, about a possible continuation of the story and your character's journey beyond that first film? Was there anything that was being said at that time that, hey, this is part of a trilogy. Uh, this is uh, going to be two films. We have ideas for you going forward. Anything like that? Yeah, there was a small conversation that was had, but, uh, you know, I don't think that we knew how great of a response we were going to get from the first one. So there was, you know, obviously a a hint of like where the story was going to go, but um, you know, we we wanted to put as much effort into the first one and then, uh, you know, thankfully it popped and the audience loved it. And uh, so the conversation was had after the release kind of, of what to do next. And, um, you know, there was a year in between on both of them for the productions. Um, and so we were all constantly calling each other, kind of trying to figure out what um, what we wanted to do and how we wanted to expand in story and character. The one thing that I really wanted and I um, had these conversations with the writer and Adam, which was so great. And I think the collaborative effort shows, but I um really wanted Ben to take the reins of uh, the responsibility that he now has. And, you know, being there for Zoe, having them have this amazing collaborative effort and uh, being there yin and yang and like also um, being more of a hero. Cause I mean, in the first movie, he was a bit of a cynic. He'd kind of given up on life. Now he's had that second chance at it. And uh, he really wants to, fill that leading position and it's time to, um, you know, get the revenge that we need to take down this, this evil, evil corporation. Holland, I was wondering if there's anything you can tell us about Rachel's backstory and why she is in this tournament of champions that you either were told or made up for yourself that isn't privy to the audience, but that you would think we would find interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously she can't feel physical pain. And I think when one sense is numbed out, another sense will compensate for that. And so in her case, I think she took on the mental burden of other people's uh, physical pain and because she couldn't feel her own. And so I think from that, Adam and I decided that she most likely had like a former EMT um, background, uh, wasn't EMT until Minos made her life a living hell. And so that's why she's always the first to diagnose people or run to someone to, you know, sort of uh, check out the injury to see how bad it is. And, uh, and that's the choice we made coming from uh, the condition that she was born with. And yeah, she, she was more of a rule follower probably in her room. And we were all leaders coming into this movie. And I liked that they took that stance that every other room just wasn't, you know, on camera and Ben and Zoe's was, so that we all sort of had that entitlement coming into this story. And we all think we know how to solve the room. And she and Zoe obviously somewhat initially clash with Zoe. It's like, I'll figure out any way out of the room. And, um, and then her coming to, you know, Rachel coming to trust Zoe later on in the film, there's just different ways to skin a cat to, to beat Minos. And I think uh, seeing people's different tactics from their rooms to this room, um, everyone obviously had a different strategy. Did either one of you get to keep anything from the production, whether it's costuming or a prop? I got the puzzle box from the first movie. Oh, dude, that's no amazing. Way. Yeah. I'm yeah, so yeah. jealous. So that's definitely um, in my office. And uh, yeah, I love it. I mean, 
Uh, unfortunately, the puzzle box isn't um, an actual puzzle, but, you know, the exact box itself is, is quite fun. And how about you, Holland? Anything? Well, I, I, I could not take the crab shack home with me. So <laughs> that, was, that, was my, that was my keepsake. All up here. Yeah. No, I mean, the sets are too big. We didn't, we didn't take anything this time. I didn't. During production, was there an escape room stunt element that didn't work because of timing cues due to running, climbing, or balancing you all had to do? Were any of them changed? Uh, start with Holland. Yeah, I uh, joke that the easiest stunt in the movie was my hardest stunt. Um, I'm, I guess, masochistic in that I loved the sand room personally, but the hardest stunt for me was the bank because I have to jump up on a counter and I'm a really short person and the bank counter came up to like here on me and so try jumping up on something with very little runway and nothing to step up on and you can't use your hands riddle me that because that was essentially what we were because you you know the, the hands pushing yourself up would uh would set off the lasers so we we it was a bit of a movie magic situation but i kind of pride myself on like i'm a fit i was a soccer player i'm a dancer um i came from teen wolf and and had a lot of stunts on that show so I was prepared for stunts and that was the first time in my life where I like came home crumbling, feeling like I failed, you know, who I'm supposed to be satisfying, which would be the movie and the director. Cause I, I just did not have like a spidey jump to uh, jump four feet in the air, but yeah, it was, I, and it's just one of those things you don't think about even, you know, with stunt coordinating or building a set till you're there with the actor. That was really difficult for me. Um, and I slipped out from underneath me. My legs slipped out under one take. And it was such a big setup that I was like in the background and village was around the corner. And they're like, back to one. And I'm like barely standing. I don't know how I landed on the marble floor. And my head didn't land in there instead. And yeah, I was nerve wracking for, for like Logan said, like the two weeks we were in the bank. Definitely my hardest one. For me, you know, as an actor, you're always uh, disappointed when you see things that uh, ended up on the cutting room floor, but there was an entire room that I was in, in a, and for a solo room that ended up completely getting cut out of the movie and replaced with something else. Um, I won't give it away, but um, yeah, it, I was in a sauna and I was burning to death. <laughs> um, so it, it was one of those where it was like, yeah, you know, you're sad when certain scenes get cut, but then to know that an entire room where I was torturing myself for five days, <laughs> feeling the burns, um, to know that that's not going to see the light of day. I was like, wow, really gave my full effort for nothing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, it, it, there was an element of the story that wasn't working. And, you know, that's what's so great about the attention to detail that we try to get. And we try to make sure that the, 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 the scenes are working so well to the point where, you know, we'll do an entire escape room. We're like, ah, well, that's good, but it might not be as good as we can make it. And so what it was replaced with was something so much uh, more insane. And you see it in the trailer. It's uh, it was me drowning in this this room. So, um yeah, I guess uh, burning to death is not as fun as drowning uh, visually. Well, hopefully we'll see that like on a deleted scene on yeah, a DVD. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be special. What are the mechanics of these rooms and filming these sequences? As an audience, things within these rooms are triggered at the last second constantly. I mean, you guys are always barely making it out, if, if even making it out. How much real-time interaction actually happens in these rooms? Do you do it as one complete 
scene and then cut and then try it again and the room resets itself. How does it work? Literally like that. Yeah. We have to shoot every room in sequence. There's no way to like, you know, we might not exactly shoot every like the whole movie in sequence, but each room has to be done in sequence because of all of the minute details. But every day on set is about 30 seconds of like footage, <laughs> like because we're just doing so many angles. Yeah. Each day is uh, a very short amount and then, yeah, we keep going through it, which uh, makes your dreams really intense. Yeah, I can <laughs> like, imagine. You know, it's almost like uh, stop motion animation, but for these escape rooms uh, in, in the physical. And so uh, we slowly make our way to it. But, um, yeah, we want to make sure we get every little aspect in detail. And so it, it goes for uh, about two and a half weeks. I think the longest one was probably the subway. Because there was so much detail of getting to know the new characters, getting into the subway, and then experiencing the escape room. That was about a, a three-week show. Yeah. I'll add to that, that like, uh, as far as filming this, I mean, obviously acting, the art of acting is teamwork between your scene partners. But this adds a new element where you are filming this almost like the player, where, you know, there isn't a cut for several minutes. And... So as that camera moves with the crane, rehearsals were really important to hit marks at a certain point because that's your time to be on. You know, that's when the camera is going to hit you and it's going to see something in the background, which will then motivate the camera to go around you. Or So, you know, blocking and working with your scene partners as participants in this escape room, it's quite meta. It's a really different muscle of acting than, say, a, you know, a really deep character study. Also, every, every camera rig under the surface of the sun was used for this movie, which was great. Awesome jibs, steady cams. We at one point had uh, a camera on wires like they use for like football games. You know, it, it was it was insane. So they got to really experiment with each and every camera rig that uh, is uh, yeah invented today. One of the messages in the film, we'll wrap it up here. Did it actually happen if you didn't see it happen? That said, a part three, anything you guys know, would you be excited to come back and return to this world? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing is, yes, we, we, you never know what will happen. We won't give anything away, but uh, Minos is, is still out there. And no matter what, they're like a cockroach. You can't kill them. So if a third one comes, I'll be ready. I hope that I'll be um, my character will maybe be like more behind the scenes. I, I want Ben to be John McClane in the third one. You know, I want to be I want to be inside the vents and being doing the yippee Kaye motherfucker ready to go, ready to kick some ass. Holland, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like Logan's going to be uh, set up at P.O. Box escape room after this movie. If there's going to be another another uh, Logan Miller starring escape room movie. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm down for whatever aspect they want to throw it. I love being part of a production that was so unique in comparison to how they shoot a lot of these grand scaled movies today that are, like Logan said, a tennis ball on a green screen. So I'm down for it. And I... I'm I'm a gamer. I love I love board games. I like escape rooms. So this was uh, all the things I love in one little platter. Perfect, you guys. Thank you so much for your time today. We'll get you guys yes. off to your next adventure. Thank you. Thank you so much, and congrats on this film. 
Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time. See you, guys. That was the Boot Crew Podcast, episode 242. Special thanks to our guests, Holland Roden and Logan Miller. At time of release, Escape Room Tournament of Champions is in theaters everywhere July 16th. That's Friday. Production tracks provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it is the Boot Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shands and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shands, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shands. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the bloody disgusting podcast network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network, home of the Boo Crew. For horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full-cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy for disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.